With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have two world-renowned photographers living and working here in the Lowcountry. One is a former White House photographer. The other is a National Geographic photographer. In this special edition of Quentin's Post-Ups, I speak exclusively with Callie Shell and Vincent Musi one-on-one. And be sure to download the free Quentin's Post-Ups app in your Apple or Google Play stores. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Callie Shell and Vincent Musi, it's so good to see you all. It's great to see you. I appreciate it. so excited so about doing this. Doing this. Yeah. You so honored. Oh, hey, I'm honored to be sitting by world-renowned photographers. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome very greatly. You're welcome. You are a National Ge Geographic photographer. That's right. You took a lot of photos in the White House during the pre President Clinton's administration. Yes. And then I went to work for Time and CNN right now. CNN right now. And I, I'm looking over here at your latest book. It's called Hope, Common, Never Fear. It obviously portrays basically the life of Presidents, or President Obama and Michelle Obama. Yes, it kind of goes, uh, starts in 2004 and goes through the campaign of 2007, 8, 9, and then follows them a little bit in the White House to 2016. So it was kind of a time before he was a rock star to you know, being president and you know, finishes it up as president. president. When you look at that title, Hope Never Fear, what goes to your mind now? You mean like what's kind of the thought behind it? Yes, ma'am. I think there are times in our history in the United States where people have tried to um, maybe keep people down through fear. You know, civil rights movement, slavery. Even the period we're in right now, I think a lot of people use that fear to paralyze people. So I think the point that I've tried to get with my book is you know, with your heart, your soul, you can overcome anything. You know, you've, you've got a brain, you've got your body, no one can keep you down. So I think we have to look and push forward using hope and stop the fear. It's just people use, I think cowards use fear to paralyze us. And I think as long as you keep hold of that hope, and I, I believe that the Obamas tried to get that kind of view of, providing hope to people to say we can overcome anything. And so I think right now in our country, I believe a lot of people are fearful of where our country's going. Um, I feel like I'm hoping my book will empower people to take back our country and move forward and to accept all people to um, you know, move us forward. When you look at the view of what's going on in this country right now, particularly with politics, how would you take a photograph of what's going on right now in Washington? 
You mean once? Well, that would be pretty hard one photograph. I'd spend a lot of time documenting politicians. Okay. Um, I photograph President Trump. I find I just watch. You know, I try not to be too opinionated. So, I, you know, I, don't, I think right now it's just, I, I find the current place, I think if you just document what's going on, it's going to show, you know, they're pretty out there and what they feel, the isolation and um, the judge judgmental. I think what we have to show right now is not so much this current administration. I think we need to focus more on the people that are being um, held back. Um, I think that people need to see more of the people that are suffering. I think we give too much attention to President Trump and his administration and even to the Congress and the politics that go on behind it. I think more people need to see what America who the Americans are, you know, from people who are coming into our country to people who are being forced to leave our country. And we need to focus on that. It's the same thing, I think, maybe when you look at gun violence. We spend too much attention sometimes given to the person who is using the gun as opposed to the people who have been taken from us because of the gun violence. So the way I would hopefully try to show what's going on is portraying the people that make up our country and to remind people you know, what our country is made up of. And Benton, obviously for the past 25 years, you have photographed diverse subjects as she just talked about, from traveling Route 66 to global warming, life under volcanoes, illegal immigration, and the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. If you could take a photo of what's your life been like as a photographer now, what would it be? Man, it would be a mess. <laughs> I'm visualizing it. <laughs> you know, I've been, I'm like the, we're both like the luckiest people in that uh, I never grew up with any great wealth or was never really a participant in many things, but photography has allowed me to have a place where I've been able to witness so many things around the world in people's lives. Um, from the birth of children to people, um, I've had people shoot at me, I've seen things die, I've seen people take their own life. Um, we've been able to do great things with photography um, from going See everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, really an amazing ticket to be able to share lives with people in the way that you're doing it. Uh, a natural curiosity uh, for what's going on behind what's happening over there. And, and so photography's allowed us to do that. And so if you were to make it into one photograph, it would be a mess because it's just like a IndyCar swerving out of control. Uh, over or for a long time. When I, you know, approached you about doing an interview for Quintus Close Up, she's like, "Hey, why do I, why do you need to interview me? Because I shoot nothing but dogs these days." Yeah. How did that come about? Because you started off in journalism at Ohio University, and now you're world-renowned photographer, and now you're just simply shooting dogs. Well, I don't know how world-renowned we are, but we uh, <laughs> we have a son who is was turning sixteen, and we. In order for us to work, we both have to get on airplanes and leave the low country to mm. do that. We have very little work for us here. Mm. And we tried to figure out a way out of that. And the answer for me was to try to create uh, a body of work about dogs. Uh, a curiosity, again, about dogs and using the same kind of things that I've done for the last 20 years of geographic of photographing animals. Could we do that? 
And so I wrote Callie into this, and we've been able to stay here uh, and work and not have to leave, and that's kind of where the dogs came from as a project. And to have it, clients, because we've had, he's had clients come from Canada, wow. California, Texas, to us, which is nice because all our work has always been going to other people. And um, we spent most of the first 10 years of our son's life tag teaming. You know, he would leave. I would be, and then we'd swap out, right. and it's really depressing because our son's going to leave us in a year. He won't let us go to college with him, unfortunately. But I'm um, <laughs> kidding. So you know, the dogs have have been a wonderful way to stay here, and um, Vince is an amazing writer, yeah. and so he writes about the dogs, which is fun. With my son and I, we pushed him towards that yeah. the way to use his writing and his humor, which has been, I think that's my favorite part, is the, the stories about the dogs. The stories about dogs. Which dog relates to you? Boy, I think they all do, but the ones that relate, that I relate to more than me, them relating to me, are the ones that are flawed in some way. You know, we, we don't have a lot of show dogs, fancy dogs. Oh. We have dogs with, that are missing a leg or an eye, uh, dogs that got into trouble. Uh, dogs shot. Yeah, we had a dog that was shot. Um, and I'm fascinated by the love that these animals bring with them and bring people together. And you, you asked about the dog. A lot of my colleagues think, what's happened to him? He's photographing dogs now. And I kind of think it's a great privilege to do it, quite honestly. And people come to us, but we've just discovered so many extraordinary things and, and found this community of people that I don't know that follow us on Instagram. Uh, that read the dogs, the dogs and read about the dogs and write me every day yeah. and uh, it's an extraordinary thing. It's very cool. We also took a he, Vince took a concept because people say, "Oh, you photograph dogs now," but unless you, if you haven't seen his work, what people don't understand is he tries to take some of his idols like Irving Penn and he tries to make the photographs art. It's something you put up on your wall. Right. It's not just a happy picture of your dog and you're running it through. So every dog, we spend two hours at least photographing these dogs. First trying to get the dogs to be comfortable with us. Oh, yeah. Sometimes trying to make sure the owners are comfortable mm -hmm. and developing a rapport. And then he tries to make sure that in the end you really see the dog for the dog and the character and what it means. And, you know, we've had some amazing people come to us and it, the relationship of what the dogs have done for the owners and the owners have done for the dogs. I mean, you know, we would, he used to get people write him and would say, my dog saved me. And we would go, yes, everyone says that. We found that there are dogs that have half saved their owners. I mean, whether it's um, working through something terrible that's happened to them or depression or, um, so, it's just been kind of a, a wonderful relationship. It's, um, and I, you know, I think for us, it's we've it's met cool. a lot you of know, nice people. It's also allowed us to really explore our relationship in the writing and explore sort of my childhood because I write about a lot of things that were influential in both good and bad ways. Uh, as a child, I write about my mother feeding my brother's dog and. Uh, write about Callie's family having St. Bernard's and things like that. And I wrote about us 
walking hand in hand in the grocery store grand opening the other day. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's sort of this personal blog, and we write about the dogs. Sometimes at the expense of the dogs, it becomes more about us. But uh, it's certainly fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's. But it, I think that all came about about realizing that people's dogs. It is about them. The dog is a part of them. So I think what's wonderful about Vince's writing is, you know, he comes from this Greek Italian family where, you know, the mother, his mother was this amazing cook and she would literally stick food in your mouth. I mean, she would take you and go, Quentin, baby, you're so thin. Oh, baby, I need you. You know, and they just, there's so much. She would walk in this tiny house and you would have felt like you knew them forever. And so I think Vince's writing, we have, we've had nurses tell us that, They'll wait if something has been a bad day in surgery or at the hospital. They hold on to his post and then they read it together as a group so they'll laugh and that they. Because I think by writing about the dogs but also about ourselves, yeah. it lets people talk about themselves. You know, they, they don't want to hear. You can only see so much about the dogs. And so when he opens up about his life, people are like, Oh, I love Sunny and Cher too. Or, you know, I was really upset. You, know, Do you have a dog? No. Do you have a cat? No. Really? Did you have a dog growing up? Yeah, Trinidad. He died, gosh, in 1998 when That's I was a kid. Name. Yeah. What kind of dog was Trinidad? Ooh, he was, um. Mutt. Basically, that's what it was. Mutt. That's yeah. my kind of dog. You yeah. like mutts? Yeah. 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 And it's like, um. Were you guys close? Very. Yeah. Very, very, very. Yeah. We don't have a dog. What? We don't have a cat. We had a cat. We had a kid. Oh, yeah. Kid. <laughs> we were going too much because, you know, you need to be there for yeah. the kid and the dog. Yeah. But kids are actually easier to, sure. you know, they don't put the kid in the overhead <laughs> on the airplane right. or underneath the plane. And no. so, but people are amazed. They're going, you don't have a dog? I'm going, but you're busy photographing everybody else's dog. Mm. But, yeah. But this way the dogs all like us because all we do is photograph them and give them treats. So they really like us. Yeah, it's like going to grandma's house. The dog get treated better than me. <laughs> I'm under a lot of pressure. Pressure. You I mean, is. never work with your wife. Ooh. You don't want to ever do we that. We do find out that we get along. We, we have people who say, y'all are kidding when you're going after each other. We're like, yeah, I'm kidding. You know, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's much safer than some of the crazy animals. I mean, not crazy, but... You know, lions and tigers for geographic, and yeah. the dogs are... I do like taking version. things that are commonly overlooked. And mm -hmm. in my work before I did animals, right. was very much about uh, vanishing culture, language, places like Route 66, right. things that are common that we tend to overlook and forget when they're gone. And I think that dogs are just one of those things that uh, there's so many of them, and I know that they're... They're certainly popular, but I'm looking at them in a very heroic kind of way, mm -hmm. and uh, and I assign personalities to them, whether they're real or not. But I uh, I look for that kind of character in them, and envision them doing things like driving cars and and having conversations, and and uh, very much anthropomorphizing these animals. Uh, well, he did um, a story on the A space. Oh yes, and when he started that, so geographic was doing places that could be in danger of disappearing. Okay. And so a friend of ours said, yeah, we should do the A-Space. My entire life I drove past that area, and I had never seen it until he did that story. 
And I've been amazed at when Geographic ran the piece. So many people that live here have said, I never knew that was there. You know, and it's like, yeah, and we got to hold on to it and admire it. So I think I've enjoyed those like stories that he does because I think a lot of us are so busy, not just the dogs, but places where, you know, we just don't notice them and then they're gone. You talk only about yourselves and how obviously you are married. What what would be the story that you would write to people about how you all met? Boy, we worked out a newspaper together. We both worked for newspapers in previous life, and uh, and that's, I was too serious, and I thought you are too was, serious. He wasn't funny. Enough. I'm very. Funny. I mean, he was too funny. Not like, funny. He didn't take anything serious. And, yeah. So at first we, you know, we're going after each other, but then. We, yeah, then we've just kind of moved around. We dated for a long time. We've been together forever. I was saying since late twenty years since the late fifties, probably. <laughs> yeah. We had crossed paths uh, in weird ways before we knew each other. We were both covering the uprising on the West Bank in the early stages of the Intifada in Israel. Uh, we were both in the same hotel. We never knew each other. We had crossed paths there. And also at some other professional events. And then we wound up working at the same newspaper together many, many years later. Yeah. He's a great editor and he's ruthless. So the first time I finished, I, he was had been in Pittsburgh. And I moved from Charleston, I'm, Charleston, South Carolina, to Nashville, a newspaper, then to Pittsburgh. My very first story, he said, this is terrible. Did you mean for the person to be, you know, he just ripped me to shreds. And that's actually how we became friends. Because he was right. But it was. Now she does that to me. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Every day. But it's always good to have somebody with a great sense of humor in your life, don't you think? Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. It keeps you, you know. Grounded. Grounded. But I think, yeah, I think we both think we married up. So it works out. It works out. You know. Obviously, you worked in newspapers for many, many years. If you could write a first-person column about the difference between newspapers then and now, what would, would be that headline? Boy, you know, journalism, the, the, the response to it has changed so much. And uh, I, I'm totally humbled by folks who still do it every day. It's such an important part of uh, freedom and democracy. Right. And I feel in some ways sometimes that we drop the ball, that we didn't go far enough, that when you, that it's gotten to this point where we throw around things like fake news and uh, everything is so divided, uh, the way that we look at facts. But, you know, it's, it's so hard and it's so, for so little money to do it, the people work so hard to do this stuff, to educate and inform people of the simplest things. And we've abdicated so much of that stuff. You know, it's hard to find a newspaper now that has uh, little league scores in it and uh, small things. It's hard to find somebody that does what you do, which is essentially long-form documentary right. On your work, community. Right? right, because there's not time for this on television. Right. There certainly isn't time for this in a, in a newspaper takeout right. with, the, with the frequency that you right. do it. There's no money. And so it's been taken up in different ways. So I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Um, and I, I've kind of walked away a little bit from journalism. The magazines became the next extension of that for both of us mm -hmm. in different ways. You know, with Geographic, you could reach 40 million people right. in a month. And that was a big deal. 
And now on Instagram with Geographic, we can reach 100 million people in a day, in an hour. Uh, and it's extraordinary what you're able to do. But we need each piece of that. We need what you're doing. We need that other level. We need that water cooler conversation about big issues. Uh, and it all fits together. So I, I'm always encouraged by people who are still putting this stuff out and keep doing it. And I'm a huge, uh, I have a huge appetite for it. I read five newspapers a day and then tear into the local papers. And I look at every little magazine specialty thing that I can to be more informed. And it's, I think it's become the, um, I know there's a term for it, but, you know, the media is what we beat up on. And um, it's like we take our frustrations out on them. You know, we blame them. I didn't know this, and you wrote this wrong, and you're like, not really. I mean, think, go through history. There's so many things. There's so many lives that have been saved because of journalists sure. and photojournalists. Right. And, you know, they put their lives out there. Sure. You know, so we would never have known what was going on in the Vietnam War if it wasn't for this. We would never have seen the, um, the civil rights movement. We would not have seen what was happening to people who stood up what was right and what was wrong we wouldn't know about it we wouldn't know that people were you know being lynched and you know go through everything bosnia kosovo you know iran everything that happened it's because the media let us know we can't we can't all get there and so i think what people try to do is it's back to that whole thing of fear because you don't want people to know what's going on you say oh it's the media's fault. The media did this, the media did that. And you know, we have a, a son that's in high school, and the, his generation is the one that's going to have to fix the rights and the wrongs of it. And, you know, he's smart enough to read through and to listen to pieces that you do and other people, how it's written, and, and to take it in. I don't understand why other people can't do that, why adults can't. I, I think we've got become lazy and I'm amazed at, we've lost so many friends that have covered, you know, Syria and, and wars and, you know, we, they're just, you know, we know people that are, go through deep depression because they've tried to cover the issues that go on in our country, um, whether it's gun violence or poverty. Um, And they don't, you don't really, as, as you know, you don't make money doing this. Yeah. I'm amazed that people, you know, um, how little what we, what you do and I do. But we keep people connected to the communities and it's very important. And, um, you know, if I did an editorial piece, I would just be like, you know, if you want to waste your frustration, then go and fix stuff. Go vote. Go get involved in the community. Don't go after the press because the media and the press and people, journalists, are the ones who let you know what's going on. You talk about those issues. I want to bring it back home. Obviously, there's a little a myriad of issues going on in Charleston, from gentrification to the affordable housing. How would you, as a photographer, approach those issues? Well, everybody has a different style to it, and uh, mine is evolving somewhat. But I've always been a very straight documentary photographer at heart. And so a lot of the two things that fascinate me most are the, are the changing face of Charleston, the physical changes 
of where buildings were once were and what's uh, going up in their place from hotels to apartment buildings and parking lots. So there's a physical change that's fascinating to me. But the one that I care about most, obviously, are the people that are being uh, displaced or brought in or changed. Their lives are being completely changed because of this. For better or for worse, I mean, I think you approach it in the same way um, and allow them to tell that story. So that would be my approach to doing it. You would have a completely different way of doing it. That would be a lot like that. I mean, our styles are very different. This is, is much more... Um, Mine's much more clinical. Callie's is That's far more artsy. This yeah. is like, you know, I, I wait for, like, I'm much more into waiting hours for, like, a little moment. Mm -hmm. and he, he, When everything was kind of boring, his picture's really interesting. I can actually capture how boring it is. <laughs> no, but I, I, wish, I wish I'd started photographing, you know, when we moved back here 15 years ago, I wish I'd taken more images of places. Mm -hmm. So that I could contrast what's gone. Oh, yeah. And um, when I go into areas that as a kid, oh, yeah. you know, churches that were there. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I feel like a lot of the black community is being pushed out. I, I Maybe I'm wrong. I just think of places I used to see and they're not there anymore. Um, what I really think is fascinating, what I grew up in Charleston is I find that the Amy churches and are almost like their own little entities. I mean, they hold people together. They're, you know, that's where you go for your family support, your community support. And I think that after the Emanuel shooting, it showed us how much these areas teach us to come together and acceptance and peace works better. So, you know, I would probably go more into like little community you know, just photographing little groups of people and, you know, how they connect. And, you know, there's, just down on Vanderhoff's, I think it is, there's this great um, funeral home where all the oh, guys yeah. sit up and they talk to you every day. Oh, yeah. And well, you go by. Smith McNeil. Yes, I love them. And one day I was going by and I said, how are you, how are you gentlemen doing? It's still my favorite line. This is what I tell people when they say, how are you doing? He goes, I'm above ground. And I was like, that's a great answer. <laughs> I was like, you're right. And so, um, you know, I think we both, um, we both would love to photograph all the communities and the changes. We unfortunately don't quite have that money. But, you know, someday. someday. <laughs> it's a hard um, Projects are really, you probably find this too. I mean, and you work two other jobs in addition to doing this and so that's kind of what we have to do in order to mm -hmm. do the dogs or a project we're just piecing it all together to be able to afford to do it and, you know it's, it's a wonderful place but Charleston is really I think it's I don't know I don't know it's a very unaffordable place I find it's, it, at this time you talk about this time obviously we're in June and we're coming up in the next two weeks on the fourth year remembrance of the tragedy of Mubby Emanuel. If you were to photograph the Mubby Emanuel community and the victims and their family four years ago to now, how would you photograph them? Well, that, that takes a huge amount of courage. Our son went abused at the time. Right. And so... And a lot of friends whose families were lost there. You know, because it's right across, across the street. Right. Some yeah. of his... Um, the Dillards and people had, um, Dillagards oh, yes. lost several right. members, and I think it was, um, 
know, I, I don't know, how would you, he could do beautiful portraits of people. I would, I would probably like just photograph the church, church. now. Mm. You know, I, I would have loved to, I wanted to photograph the church before the thing. Right. My way of doing it would be to go in and just photograph the life that goes on, that continues in that church. church. And um, I find that Vince's makes, I mean, he photographs dogs, but his people portraits are absolutely stunning and oh, yes. beautiful. They're, they're actually my favorites. Oh, yes. Yeah, they're all. So, you know. That's a hard one and, uh, and an important one. It's and important. sometimes I think that for us, we just wanted to be part of a community, not just live in one. And I think that's kind of the transition is that our whole lives have been spent sort of parachuting into places where sometimes bad things have happened like that and sometimes good things. And you're trying to make the best of it, befriending people in times of great tragedy and, uh, and you do your best. And we have a lot of friends who do that and, and that's how we educate people. But I'm also drawn to, I'm fascinated to see the book that Jennifer Hawes wrote. Right. Uh, I really want to read that. I'm interviewing her soon. Okay. And so she was a parent at our school right. as well. Um, you know, those kinds of things are what make up what drives me now in a different way than sort of merely parachuting in. Uh, is that you feel a different sense of commitment to do it. And quite frankly, there's a fear level to it. It's like I, that's a huge responsibility. And sometimes I kind of curl up in a bowl and go, I'm going to do something else, you know, uh, but I'm... It's a great place because, you know, the one thing I've always said, if you live here or if you are from South Carolina, you know, you walk down the street, wait long enough, and you're going to run into someone you're related to or yes. you know, we're all related and you know them. And so it's like the first time I met you, I was walking down the street and I was like, yes. Gwen, can I have my picture made yes. with you? Yes. You know, and yes. I love that about... Charleston and I and that people want to know each other sure. and I'm always amazed sometimes nowadays when someone will walk by and you smile at them they don't smile back right. you want to go where are you from, from. <laughs> you know when I was a kid if, if somebody if a parent or someone said hello to me and I was on my bike right. by the time I got home you know they had already gotten home called my mom on the real phone and said oh well, I saw Callie but she didn't say hello I would be like I was on a bike the problem I didn't see right. them but, you know, um, when our son was in kindergarten abused, we did a project where Vince set up a big um, studio backdrop. And we photographed every, we did a portrait of every kid in the school, all 400, this was about three something. We did individuals. And then after we finished each class, we put the teacher on the canvas yeah. and all the kids. And... In the end of the project, what was so amazing was to see by diversity sure. that was in the school at the time, the age groups, and at the end, we had some of the kindergartners with the oh. eighth graders, and they were all hugging each other and holding each other, and we had like a group of the eighth graders did a, a musical oh. number together, um, stomping and clapping, and when I go back still and look at that project, it means so much and we were having dinner at the house of the principal at the time um a woman named sally ballard okay and we were talking about that project and so now it's 10 years later she runs to the back of her house and comes out and pulls out copies of the pictures that we made that she's kept and we continually get people who say i still have that picture it's on my wall i think 
projects like that are, you know, really wonderful. And there are people here that have have done that for the community. And, you know, when you go back later, just kind of, you know, they're simple projects, but they're they're important. Yeah, my thing is kind of uh, over the top. So one of the ways that we felt that we could meet everybody in the school was to photograph everyone. Mm. So every kid, every teacher, yeah. every cafeteria worker, everybody that worked in the offices. Uh, and we're still friends uh, with Jesse them. Singleton, he, you know, every, he had been there for 19 years. And my son, every kid in that school knew Mr. Singleton. He was just like an icon. Yes. Like the first time my son went after he left and went to high school, first person he went back to get see was Mr. Jesse, as they all call I think they're. We, I think these those projects would be great if you know, more schools and more places did them because they they're lasting. Jack Alterman's. Oh yes, a number of great ones. Right, from that's my buddy. Yeah, yes. from uh, homeless to people who work yeah. on the bridge to people who live in the neighborhoods to the storefronts. Uh, he's been very much at the forefront of documenting changes in town. So and it doesn't seem like it at the time until you right. go back yes. five years, ten years later and look at that work and how important and how valuable it is. And that's that's really cool, right? It's There's a value to it in immediacy, but also in 10, 20, 50, and 100 years. What's that stuff going to mean? Mm. Uh, and unless you give back a little bit, a small way, but his wife, Jeanette, she's huge. Oh, yes. So involved in women's issues, and, and they're an amazing couple sure. and supporting the city. And, you know. Yeah, maybe you should be interviewing that. Oh yeah, I'm coming on. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to get to her, to her soon. And Jack, I've done two interviews with Jack. Oh good, oh, yeah, uh, good man. I've seen Jack's interview. Oh yeah, yeah is. good man. I haven't seen him in a while. But if someone were to look back at your photographs, your career in the next five, ten, fifteen years, what particular photograph do you, should they go to? Boy, you know, I don't have a favorite one. Callie might have a favorite. But I will tell you the things that mean something to me. Sure. It's along the same thread about value. Oh, yeah. And I've unfortunately had a number of uh, folks pass away in the last few years that I've photographed over the years. And I've been totally surprised to pick up the newspaper in another town or in a magazine and see my photograph representing that person's life mm. with an obit. And that's so cool. Uh such an honor and such an amazing thing and some of these folks have been friends of mine and others are you know people that i just worked with or knew but uh to see those photographs stand in as some way that you remember them that's pretty cool and i feel the same way about um places that an image might stand in for a place that has changed or maybe was preserved that it represents that that it transcends the time that we're around to the next generation uh, and after that, that it becomes a historical document. We went to uh, the UN the other day. Uh, my son wanted to visit the UN. I'd never been to the UN. And we were walking down the halls, and there was one of my photographs on the wall of the UN. And I said, no, I don't think it's mine. And they said, no, it's, it's your photograph. So I looked up, wall. and I was like, hey, there's a photograph. It's, a, it's from the Middle East Peace Accords. And right. President Clinton right. with his arms extended with right. the Arafat right. Rabin. Right. Everybody's seen this photograph. It was so funny because the interpreter, I mean the tour guide, right. was going, that is your picture? And he was like, yeah. And I just, and we were laughing. But it's great to you know, kind of be a part of history. Yes. Yeah, and you have photographs that uh, that became sort of the iconic images of 
of a guy with a funny name. You came home one day and said, I met this guy. Uh, he's interesting. I think he might run for president one day. Mm -hmm. And if we lived in Washington, we'd have been friends with him. Chicago. And, yeah. At that time. Well, we lived in Washington. Yeah. We lived in Chicago. You've made so many iconic images of, of then-Senator Obama. It's unbelievable. From the feet up with the holes in his shoes to... Uh, and it's incredible. It was easier back then. Not yeah. everybody was photographing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have one favorite. But it is... It's interesting to be able to go back and look at those photographs or when I worked at the White House. I mean, you know, we've been, I think, you know, really lucky. And we have this great kid. We've both been to, you know, been over 80, 80 countries oh, wow. and met kings and queens. And, you know, I think, do I have a great photograph? No, but like one of my favorite people that I've photographed, been honored to photograph is Nelson Mandela. I mean, to the point that we were leaving his house when he was president, and I was working at time for the White House, and the motorcade stopped, and I had to get out of the car and go up, and he's like, Kelly, and I'm like, oh my gosh, here's my name. And he wanted to thank me for some photographs I'd sent him from a previous um, time we met. But um, that was, I was, you know, he was such a great grounding person, because I always thought, you know, if he can be nice to everyone, yes. after everything he's been through, sure. that's kind of my line. Why can't you? It's, you know, just little acts of kindness go a long way. Yeah. So, you know, he was, um, for me, I was very honored, you know, to know him. And also, you know, Barack Obama, okay. Michelle Obama. Okay. Again, I've been very lucky to meet some really kind people, you know. That's amazing. Well, um, Vincent and Kelly, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for, for interviewing us. We're so excited. See, now we, we've done it. We've oh, yes. been interviewed by Quentin, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about anything else. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so great. much. Thank you. You're welcome. We really thank appreciate you. it. You're Taking welcome. the time. Oh, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.